Welcome to Porchlight Baptist Church this morning. Uh, glad to have those that are here, those that are watching online. Enjoyed the singing we've already had. And this is our fourth annual Homecoming Celebration Day. So uh, we usually do this the first Sunday of September, but uh, this year we pushed it up to the second Sunday uh, because of our commitments at Northside. But uh, they're having home, their homecoming today, and we're having ours today. And so it's good to be here. And uh, didn't really have a lot of special things planned. We are going to have a big meal after the service. And I've had to smell it cooking all night, and I'm ready to eat. Uh, so this is probably not going to take very long. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. However the Lord leads us this morning is what we want to do. And uh, we're going to continue in our Gospel of John sermon series. John chapter 5 be taking our text from. John chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 19 through 24 this morning, Lord willing. John 5, 19 through 24. I've got several other verses we'll be looking at as well as these. There in John chapter 5, starting with verse 19, the Bible says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son, of, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, those also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son... On earth not the Father which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I'm praying now that you'll help us as we try to preach for just a few minutes on this text. And Lord, we'll pray that uh, you be glorified. Keep us out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we pick up here where we left off last time. I don't remember when we last were in here. It's been a few weeks as we've been preaching at Northside. And, uh, but we pick up where we left off last time. If you remember, previous to these verses, Jesus had gone back to Jerusalem for the uh, Jewish uh, feast. And while he was there, he stopped off at the pool of Bethesda. There's where he met the man that was uh, uh, the impotent man, is what the Bible calls him had an infirmity for 38 years. And uh, this, when he healed this man, this immediately caught the attention of the Jewish hierarchy there, the leadership of the Jews. <clears throat> and uh, they got extremely upset. And uh, just for context's sake, I want us to look at that. Look back up there, starting at verse 8. And let's look down through verse 18 so that we keep all this properly uh, in here in context. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. The Jews, make sure you pay attention. This is going to talk about the Jews all through here. The Jews, therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He, uh, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. <clears throat> then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, 
Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. All right, so we find that the, the whole reason the, the Jews, and notice it mentioned them four times in just those few verses, uh, verses 10, 15, 16, and 18. And, of course, this would encompass all Jews because the, the whole theme of it is how Jewish uh, unbelief of Christ, their, their disbelief, their rejection of Christ. Uh, however, it's, it's really pointing more toward those leaders, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these people that claim to be in charge of the religious system of the Jews to keep the laws and to make sure everybody else kept the laws and all this. And, uh, you know, we studied in the very first chapter of John, John chapter 1, verse 11, where the Bible said, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And you'll find that all through this, uh, the whole gospel of John, how that his own people rejected him as their Messiah, as their Savior. And they, they wanted him dead. Uh, from the very first time that these Jewish people came across Jesus and, and saw what he was doing, heard what he was saying, their, their immediate thought was, we got to kill this guy. That was the first thing on their mind. And so despite this great miracle that had happened, had taken place, the only thing these Jews could think about was how this former lame man was now breaking the Sabbath by carrying his bed. In other words, he's working on, a, on the Sabbath. He broke the law. No thought at all about the great miracle. If they had, I mean, all they had to do was realize what had happened here. This was God sent. It was a God sent miracle. He'd sent his own son. He'd sent the Messiah there among them to heal the sick, uh, raise the dead. All these things that God sent him to do that the Messiah had been had been uh, prophesied that he would do, and he's doing it right in front of them, and they're they're blinded to it. And so all they can see is he's broke the law. This is we got to do something about this. Uh, and so the only thing they could they thought about were their traditions and their and the laws, and not just the laws of Moses, but the laws they had created, which they put more emphasis on. And so it's uh, you know if we're not careful as Christians, we'll find ourselves looking at religious routines and the things that we do, and not be as concerned about the things that God's doing with people and and uh, in the church and stuff, and, and our thoughts will be, well, that person is not dressed right, or that person doesn't look like a church person, or they don't really talk like they belong in church. And we, we start getting that kind of mentality about us, and we're no better than these uh, Pharisees and, and scribes and priests here. Uh, we need to be concerned more about God's grace and his mercy, and always remember that it was because of his grace and mercy that any of us could be saved. So we're no better off than that one that doesn't look like everybody else. They don't conform to the usual church look or um, things. But as soon as these Jews discovered that Jesus was the one that made this miracle happen, or causes this, actually, to cause this man to break the Sabbath, <laughs> Jesus' fault, 
they turned their attention away from that man that was healed and turned it on Jesus. Now they've got their sights on him. And it's just like those cartoons you see where they're you know, starving, they're licking their lips, and they've got their fork and, and a knife, you know, <laughs> ready to eat. Uh, porky pigs ready to be eaten. And that's what they look at Jesus like. He, they're ready to, to devour him. Now look again at verse 16. It said, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath day. And so they, to persecute him means they were opposing him. They were um, trying to ruin his character. They're openly accusing him of, of breaking the law. He's a Sabbath breaker. And so what they do is they start a smear campaign against Jesus. And they want everybody to know about it. This man has broken the law. This man's a no good. He's, he's up to no good. We've got to destroy him. They want to destroy his popularity because he's getting really popular. Uh, they want to destroy his testimony because he's saying things that they've never heard before. He's saying things that God said that they've never seen anything about that. And so their, their whole premise here is to destroy Jesus. It says they sought to slay him. <laughs> wow. I mean, you talk about just flying off the handle real quick. You know, this guy's broke the Sabbath. Let's kill him. <laughs> Boy, they were ready for that, wasn't they? Uh, so uh, can you imagine having that much hatred in your heart for somebody that was only doing good? <laughs> Jesus only did good, and there was so much hatred for him. Uh then, to compound their hatred of him, look at how they react to his answer. Look at verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And so here Jesus points out the fact to them that the father works on the Sabbath. Yeah, sure, God created a day of rest, the Sabbath, where man was to cease from all work and rested. However, God continues to work. How do you think the, the world spins on its axis? How do you think the sun rises and, and, and sets? How do you think the, the tides and the waves come through? Because God is constantly working. He never ceases working. And that's what Jesus said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. So the Sabbath does not uh, apply to God the Father. He's not bound to the law, and neither is the Son. And so God constantly works. If God quit working, we would we would cease to exist. We wouldn't have breath or air to breathe or oxygen. We wouldn't have water to drink because if God stops, everything stops. And so this was more than these uh, Jewish leaders could handle. He has committed blasphemy now. Uh, by making himself equal with God. So he not only broke the Sabbath, but he's made himself equal with God by claiming to be God's son. And they're completely beside themselves. I can almost see the hatred spewing out of their black hearts and souls. So much they want to murder him. Even more. <laughs> now, they really wanted to kill him before, but now they mean business. We're going to kill this guy. And so this whole section of the scripture down through here is Jesus speaking really directly to these religious leaders. He's conveying truth to them. However, they are not going to accept the truth, even though he's telling it. 
And he makes five claims of being co-equal with God. Uh, over in John MacArthur's commentary, I like to look at it uh, every now and then, he, may, he says this, he said, Jesus makes five claims to equality with God. Number one, he's equal with God in his person. you find that in John 5, 17 and 18. He is equal with God in his works, John 5, 19 through 20. He's equal with God in his power and sovereignty, John 5 and 21. He's equal with God in his judgment, John 5 and 22. And fifth, he is equal with God in his honor, John 5 and 23. And we're going to look at those as we continue through this, this uh, text this morning. And that's where we pick up John 5 and 19. Look at it there. It says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Now, I've titled the message this morning, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And we're going to speak about that. One thing you you got to be aware of is the fact that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are all co-equal, co-existent, and, and they do all things as one. Uh, one doesn't go off and act independently away from the others. One doesn't come up with an idea and say, "Okay, I'm going to go do this." You know, I'm not going to bother though them two with this. Uh, it doesn't work that way. They're they're co-equal, co-existent in everything they do, and they never oppose one another. And the reason for that is because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all one God. One God. It's three in one. The Trinity. We call that the Trinity. We believe the doctrine of the Bible. And the Bible teaches there are three uh, in one. So Jesus is point blank telling these guys that he himself is God. If God's working, I'm working. If God's doing this, I'm doing this. If the Father's doing it, so is the Son. So what does that mean? We are one. Now, it's claims like this that has really um, upset these Jewish leaders. That's why, I mean, they just cannot see past all the things, you know, the, the making himself equal with God. They, they claim that's blasphemy uh, to work on the Sabbath. He's broken the Sabbath. I mean, this guy is just the worst of worst. And uh, he's claiming to to be uh, have deity, the deity of God, and it's not much different from today. There's many so-called Christian religious uh, denominations or groups that reject the Trinity. They reject the truth of Jesus's deity. They may believe he was some great man. They may believe he was a great leader, maybe a great teacher, a great prophet, they'll call him. And many of them just claim he was a subordinate to God. Now, the very, probably the ones you've heard of the most, uh, we call these non-Trinitarians, non-Trinitarian religions or denominations, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're the biggest, the LDS those are also referred to as Mormons. Mormons now refer to themselves as LDS or the Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, they claim to be a Christian denomination. However, they reject Jesus as, as God. They don't believe in the Trinity. <clears throat> and so they're probably the largest of the denominations. And then there's the Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, we've... We've taught on this before, these, these cults, these false 
religions, and the Jehovah Witnesses, they certainly reject Christ as being God. The Christian scientists, believe it or not, there's a lot of those now. Uh, Unitarian Universalists, these people, I don't know exactly everything they believe in. They claim they're a Christian religion, but they reject about everything that we believe in, and certainly they reject the Trinity. And in the Seventh-day Adventist, they too reject the Trinity, the, the belief that Jesus is God. They, they say that God is, or Jesus is uh, God's son, or he's a subordinate to God, or whatever, but uh, they don't lay claim to the deity of, of Christ. And, and of course, there's the non-Christian religious groups, denominations, such as the Jews that practice Judaism. That's who Jesus is dealing with right here. They rejected him then, they reject him now. And so they certainly don't believe Jesus is God. Uh, they don't believe he's their Messiah, even though he is. Uh, there's Islam, which uh, started in Saudi Arabia. Uh, they claim to be the oldest religion in the world, in history. Uh, we know it started over in the same area there of the Middle East, like uh, Jesus is in at that time. Uh, and we have the, the, you know, the Muslims over there, and you got the Jews, and, and they're against each other, and they're all wanting to claim the same land, and it's always a, a battle. Uh, but uh, they're probably the, the largest of these groups, and they, of course, reject Christ as, uh, you know, God. There's Buddhist. Uh, that, that, of course, started in India, uh, which most religions, uh, these false religions, do begin in India. India is a huge place. I mean, it looks small on a map if you look at it, but the amount of people that's in there, uh, it's probably only second to China of having the most population. And uh, there, all these false religions come out of there. Uh, Buddhism, that comes from India. Of course, it traveled from India to China, where they practice Buddhism. That's the number one religion in China, I believe, 90 Five percent of the people in China are Buddhists. Uh, there's the Hindus. They started in India, and we know they reject Christ. And then there's the the Sikhi that started in India. And so those are the probably the five largest non-Christian denominations or, or religious groups that reject Jesus Christ. They all reject him. Uh, the Gospel of John actually started out by announcing that Jesus is God. Look at it if you want to. John 1, 1 through 5. John 1, 1 through 5. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, we have the fact right there, the Gospel of John keeps pointing back to the fact that Jesus is God. He's the creator, he's the one who brought light to the world of darkness, and he was rejected as that light that shone in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. They refused to accept him or believe in him. And so the truth is, if you reject Jesus as being God, you might as well reject the entire Bible. Because that's the whole theme of the Bible, is showing us Christ is God. I mean, that's, that's all throughout the Bible. Uh, look at verse 20, back in our opening text now. Back in John 5 and 20. 
Jesus goes on, continues speaking to these people. He says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Now this statement is going to blow them away. By Jesus claiming to have the power of life. That's what this means. That word quickeneth means to give life. And so, of course they believe that God gives life. God's the, the creator in their minds. He's the creator. Even though John said in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And nothing was created without him. And so Jesus was there at the creation. And uh, he is God. And so uh, these religious leaders here, they're going to really be upset at this. Because having the power to give life is the greatest power on earth. I mean, that's what men seek the power to be able to give life. And they claim they can. You know, They claim that they can do this. But without God giving them life, they would have no power or ability to give anything life. So it's all God that gives life. Well, Jesus says, you know, the Father quickeneth them, in other words, gives life to them. He says, even so the Son quickeneth, gives life to them, whom he will. <laughs> so he not only can give physical life, but he gives spiritual life, life everlasting. <clears throat> Look at verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now, I remember preaching on this several years ago back at uh, one of our former churches, and there was a couple that came there, and they heard this, and after the service, they said, I had no idea. I've never heard that before. I never heard that Jesus was the one that judged. That You know, I thought God did all the judging. Well, he does. It's through Jesus. <laughs> it's through the Son. And so... God does judge, but it says he gave all judgment under the sun. It's Jesus, the one that judges. And it goes back to the fact that he is God. Uh, if anyone has the power and ability to be able to judge anyone, it would be Jesus. Uh, he's also referred to as the son of man because he came here and lived as a man in the flesh and sinned not. But, you know, so many times we try to compare ourselves with other people. You know, we can look around and... Uh, you know, our neighbors or our co-workers or friends or other family members. We say, well, we're much better than they are. Boy, look how they live. We don't live like that. So we're a lot better than they are. We don't talk like they do. We're a lot better than that, uh, you know. And uh, somehow we think as long as we stay ahead of somebody else, if we can make ourselves look better in somebody's eyes than that guy or that girl or that woman, that man, whatever, then we feel like we're superior, you know. But the truth is, we are to compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when that happens, we see things totally change. We find that we fall very, very short when we compare ourselves to God. We're like Belshazzar, seeing the writing on the wall. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. That's what we'll find if we compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus claims to be co-equal with God in judgment. Verse 23. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. So now here Jesus lays claim to deserving the same honor as God. God certainly shall be honored. He is a deity, the deity. And 
we read this in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. This is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi, and he says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so here Jesus is saying, if you don't honor me, you don't honor the Father. Why? Because he is God. And so if you don't honor either one of us, you're not honoring either of us. And so those that do not honor the Lord Jesus will stand before him one day in judgment. They will stand before him. Uh, and that's what the Bible says. Uh, yes, uh, you know, God is a loving God. God is a kind God. He's a, a forgiving God. He's all those things. But there is an ultimate price to pay for rejection of him, for rejection of the Lord Jesus. Um, listen to what the Bible says in Psalms 2, 1 through 5. This is one of the most probably scary uh, passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Psalm 2, 1 through 5. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. What an awful thing to think about, that this kind, loving, gracious, and forgiving Heavenly Father can look out on man and in judgment and laugh and laugh at them being having to go through the judgment. Uh, it's awful to think about God laughing at someone, laughing at you. But that's what the Bible says. There'll be a day when those who have raged against God, raged against Christ, rejected Christ, and dismissed him, and uh, one day they will face God's holy and righteous wrath and it's going to be a terrible time I would I would not want to be <laughs> I would not want to be one of those alright look at verse 24 verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life so Jesus gives them really the answer that they need uh, to make sure that they have everlasting life, to make sure that this does not happen to them. Uh, it's simple. Believe on him and believe in the word. Believe in the words that he says. Believe in he that sent me. Why? Because he that sent me and, and I are one. So if you believe in that, you believe the word I'm telling you, then you can have everlasting life. And so we know they rejected him despite hearing the truth. And I, th I think about all those in this world who think they're so smart. You know, there's people, I, I, I talk to these people sometimes at work or uh, meet them somewhere that don't believe in Christ. They don't believe in Christianity. They don't believe in any of this. They have different beliefs. I've told you about the, the one president of our company that believed himself to be his own God. He rejected the fact that there was a God above him, that he was above all. And when it came to himself, he was his own God. This is horrible, horrible thinking, and it's tragic. Um, the world thinks that Christians are so stupid. 
that they are so smart because they would never be so gullible and fall for those things that these so-called Christians believe in. They believe in Christ. They're, they're ignorant. They laugh at us for congregating together to worship uh, God. Uh, they make fun of us for praying. They make fun of us for uh, things that we lay claim of that Jesus did or, you know, the Lord was good to me. They think that's ridiculous. What do you mean the Lord did that for you? That was just, you know, luck or something like that. And, uh, you know, they call us names for believing the Bible. They call us holy rollers. Um, Bible thumpers, that's that's a big one. They, they love to, to refer to people like us as Bible thumpers. Look at those Bible thumpers over there. And they think if they can keep calling us derogatory names like that, that uh, it, it makes them superior. It makes us look small and stupid. I'm afraid that day when they stand before a righteous judge, they're going to feel very small and very stupid. Listen, I don't want anybody to die and go to hell. I really don't. And we know God doesn't. But there will be a day when they will wish they believed, but it will be too late. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9 through 10. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Look, you know, the time for salvation is right now. Today. Today is the day. Uh, not tomorrow. Uh, not sometime in the future. But we must be saved, and we must be saved now, because there will be a time. And look, the Bible said that, that it was God was not willing that any should perish. In other words, he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. So if anybody goes to hell, it's by their own doing, because of their disbelief in Christ, because of their rejection of him. The Bible said all should come to repentance. That's all it means is I repent that I am a sinner. I need salvation. I can't save myself. And Lord, I turn from self-sufficiency and from my sin, and I turn to you for salvation. I turn to you as my Savior. That's repentance. And that's simply all, all it is. You believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. He came here to save men by dying on that cross. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And now he sits on the right hand of the Father. It's simple belief in Christ and what he's done and receiving him as Savior. To receive him, you must take him. You, to take something, you must receive it. If I order a package and they come to deliver it and they hold it out for me, and I say, nope. And they're going to turn around and, and just go back and put it on the truck. I didn't receive it. So it's not my gift. Salvation is the gift of God. All we have to do is say, yes, I'll take salvation. I want salvation. And he freely gives it to us. But you must receive him as Savior. And that's simply by believing in him. Believe on Jesus. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. The only reason you call on his name is because you believe in him. Of who he is and what he's done. And what he can do for you. Alright, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the message this morning. Lord, I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, I pray for that one that may be listening either here at the house or 
or online somewhere, maybe on YouTube or um, Facebook or wherever it may be broadcast, God, I pray, Lord, for that one that does not, has never received you as Savior. God, they, they've rejected you. Lord, they rejected the Lord Jesus. Lord, they don't believe. God, we know there'll be a day when it'll be too late for them. God, we're praying that the gospel can reach them. Lord, and, and they'll be convicted, God, that you'll convict them through the Holy Spirit. And God, they'll be saved. Help us, Lord, be the the Christians you would have us be. Lord, remember that, that Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, are all one. God, we're so thankful for that and for the work that you do for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. And we'll give you all the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name.